This episode of the Series A podcast is brought to you by the Blockchain Founders Fund. The Blockchain Founders Fund is a global entrepreneurship and investment fund that focuses on adding value to emerging technology and blockchain projects with real-world applications. The Blockchain Founders Fund supports seasoned and first-time entrepreneurs across the key business function with a hands-on intensive go-to-market venture program. Our second sponsor is SGI Partners based in New York City. SGI Partners is a private investment firm that pursues compelling investment opportunities in middle market businesses. SGI has a flexible mandate to invest across the capital structure in control-oriented investments, ranging from strategic financing to buyouts, allowing us to implement innovative investment strategies that preserve invested capital and mitigate risk while driving growth and creating value. As an, as an advisor to SGI partners, I help identify investment targets in my geographical area. Now on to this fantastic new episode. Today, we have the pleasure to be speaking with Hannah Robertson, a technology strategist with focus on blockchain, and she's based in Virginia. Hannah, welcome to Series A. How are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the invite. So the crypto market has been heating up this weekend. We are now uh, in Ethereum ab above $3,000 and uh, Bitcoin is, uh, is closing in 46K. So what is your sentiment? What is your opinion on that? Is it going to go higher, lower? What's going on over there? Yeah, um, and, and that's a good question. You know, I, I'm sure a lot of people have that same question um, with cryptocurrency, especially the the larger caps of Ethereum and, and and Bitcoin. But you know, I don't I don't like to speculate on the market usually, uh, nor do I like to give financial advice. Um, but I will say the SEC has been recently talking about considering uh, cryptocurrencies being securities um, and should be taxed and regulated as such. Um, the focus on that could require action by Congress to define rules for the industry. Mm -hmm. So although that, that news does, um, does sound a little bad on the surface, it's likely good news for the industry overall. Um, you know, regulation gives crypto a sense of legitimacy, you know, and sets rules for the businesses to follow. So we'll, we'll likely continue to see an uptrend, um, with the occasional dips uh, with this being discussed on the hill. Okay, that sounds great. So let's um, start, uh, if you can tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your background and how did you become a, a blockchain strategist? Sure, yeah. And um, yeah, as you introduced me, my name is Hannah Robertson and, and I'm a technology strategist providing uh, advisory services to help new disruptive business solutions, leverage blockchain, and other innovative technologies. Um, I, I've always been into tech, but you know, I never knew what direction to, to go in. Um, but a couple of years after college, I took a job with the civil service. So this was, this was a couple of years before cryptocurrency went mainstream. First time I heard the word cryptocurrency was 
when a criminal case was being worked on in my organization where the government was confiscating Bitcoin instead of cash. So I thought, wow, you know, that's some serious business. After that, you know, I learned all about the technology behind it. Um, and I quickly became an expert. I got to work with helping companies find ways to take advantage of it. This was all in my capacity as a programmer, but I quickly made it my forte. So now I consult with companies and organizations solely to educate them about blockchain. There's a really steep learning curve um, when, when you're just trying to get your feet wet with this technology. Uh, and you first essentially have to teach the value of it, um, when and where the technology can be used, what problems could it solve for them, and, and then at the end, how to build it. So this requires a strong relationship and a lot of trust. It helps to have a good track record, um, and I'm thankful for having good timing and getting in on the ground floor. So are, are you actually uh, programming any applications on the blockchain, or are you more like a business consultant on how to transform processes and uh, turn them into blockchain application? Yeah, I'm more of managing sort of like the overall projects of things. Um, how do we get your idea from, um, from point A to point B? And of course there's development in between, but there's a lot of strategy before and after the, the development even starts. So, um, Although there is some development that goes, that goes on under what I'm overseeing, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of other things that are at play. Uh, what uh, kind of programming languages are you seeing in the applications that you consult on? Yeah, so the languages are, there's a ton, right? So there's also things that are rising about that are sort of like blockchain as a service. So things are getting a lot more modular um, and easier for people to sort of do these things on their own, develop these things on their own. There's also, um, of course, you know, coding and solidity for, for smart contracts and, and other little things within these overall applications. But as any other developer for any, any other type of, you know, web development, you can just develop with the code that that you feel more comfortable with. Web development has turned from uh, coding just with HTML5 and some CSS into, you know, now people use things like uh, content management systems, right? So it's, it's sort of blockchain is becoming a lot more easy to develop with, which is a great thing. It's a, it's a good thing for getting that technology out there and into a lot of different hands. Mm -hmm. Tell us some uh, use cases, some examples. Um so that our audience can understand a little bit uh, better what uh, what kind of applications you are involved with. Sure, yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, who are my clients, I guess is a, is a good way to put that. And uh, I've worked with many different clients um, on projects of all sizes, big, small, um, public, private. I've launched a cryptocurrency trading exchange, um, a rideshare application, apps actually that uh, are doing virtual doctor visits. And then, you know, the most larger uh, scale that I've been working with is the U.S. Postal Service as they explore the technology uh, and potential use cases. So um, in the future, everything will be powered by blockchain. I've, I firmly believe that. 
Um, and my client pool will become very interesting, but you know, I like working with small startups best. Um, it's pleasant atmosphere, the startup atmosphere, being around people who are working so hard to get their ideas off the ground. Um, it's a dynamic environment where not everything is formally locked down yet. There's freedom. And I think, um, with freedom and trying new things. So that's, that's what I love about blockchain, um, and startups in the broader sense. There's so much spirit and opportunity and just feels like the future belongs to anyone. So what exactly does the U.S. Postal Service do on the blockchain? Are they going to be mailing the envelopes on Ethereum or something? Uh, not, not quite to that extent. Um, they are they're at the forefront of, of government agencies exploring this technology. With new technology, we have to familiarize ourselves and, and see where risks are. Um, and with analyzing that, I think the Postal Service has realized some use cases that they could actually use the technology for. So a use case isn't formally mapped out, although they have been exploring um, voting by mail using blockchain, which would be sort of a hybrid approach to voting by mail, um, as well as being recorded on the blockchain. So they're exploring that. Um, nothing's set in stone, but I know I, 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 it's great to see government agencies at that at that scale looking at the technology. So let's uh, suppose that there is a, a food plant, um, an industry that produces, say, um, muffins, and uh, they come to you as a consultant and they ask you, what uh, can uh, this uh, industry do uh, with this new technology that is called the blockchain. So what would you say as a, as a strategist? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And, and a lot of businesses will have that, that initial question, right? It's, um, hey, you know, I heard about this new technology. What can it do for me in my business? Um, and as a, a muffin manufacturer, there's, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit there for, for you to explore. I mean, my first initial response would be, you know, let's, let's check out the supply chain. Let's, um, let's work on analyzing how you get your product from point A to point B and, and how we can utilize blockchain to, to make that process faster, easier, um, and, and, and more legitimate. Like I spoke about earlier, using smart contracts and, um, making deals contractless and removing a lot of the middlemen and, the trust aspect of things and each company, it's going to be different how you can use blockchain. And, and that's, and that's just the fact. So sit down and just ask themselves, you know, where could I use blockchain in my company? And sometimes um, the answer is, you know, nowhere. Um, sometimes using blockchain may not be a solution for a company and that's okay. Um, with new things, a lot of people kind of want to just, put it into their business model and maybe the timing isn't right or the the application isn't right for your particular business and that's okay but that's things that those companies need to explore and if it doesn't work for them that's that's fine but um at the end of the day there's tons of use cases for um blockchain not just cryptocurrency uh, how would the e-commerce giant such as Amazon, be able to use the blockchain? Because uh, as you might have heard, they are looking for to hire some blockchain people to add to their team. 
the huger companies like Amazon, um, they will, if they haven't already, incorporate this into their Amazon Web Services. And, and I think ultimately they want to explore blockchain so they can help their developers on their platform utilize it better. Not necessarily uh, Amazon looking to use it for their shipping or, or what have you, but you know, I think a lot of these larger companies that have you know, subscriptions to AWS, they want to be able to, to provide blockchain services and technologies to them f- so that they can use them, that they can, they can build things with them, with it, with the technology. And, and I think ultimately that's probably their first, um, their first real intent with it is, is to get it into the hands of their users. How would the bank use blockchain? Um, so dealing with money and, you know, especially fiat currency and, you know, hospital records, I think those, the process to get blockchain up and running in those environments will be a lot, you know, more challenging, but in the end, be very useful and change a lot of the, the way that things work in, in the world today with, you know, I think it's very disruptive, um, but to be disruptive, it takes a little bit of time. Um, so I think we'll see we'll see blockchain in, in banks and, and hospitals. We'll see it in every aspect, but it, it's going to take a different approach to each each business that's that's trying to incorporate it. Uh, do you see a scenario where a patient, since you mentioned the hospital, do you see a scenario where a patient will go to the hospital and uh, they will call, carry with them in their mobile phone? their uh, data, their hospital data uh, in the form of an NFT? Yeah, that's, that's actually an interesting question. Um, uh, an NFT, initially, I would say probably it wouldn't be an NFT um, just because if it does become an NFT, they want to use that and, and to monopolize and, and capitalize on that. Selling their data is 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 a little bit different than walking into an hos- a hospital to actually use it for the reason that they came in, right? So I think first it, it starts with owning your data, um, having that data on you, on your mobile device um, with the protection of blockchain around that. And then it, if you if you want to take it another step further and, and um, kind of put an NFT behind some of the valuable data that you create as a person um, and sell that to, to companies that are doing clinical trials or research. I think that's, that's when the user can, can really capitalize on, on the valuable data that they provide. Um, so I think we will see that. We, we definitely will. And, and your question about will it be in a form of an NFT is actually an excellent question. And I think we will see that but back to the point of kind of just walking into a hospital, I think, I think people will start seeing the value of their, of, of owning their data and having it on them, especially if when people, there's, you know, new, new hospitals coming about that are sort of um, not tied to the old school way of, of doing hospitals. Um, so if you want to go to uh, an urgent care or, you know, a, ma- a major hospital, you know, you want to have your data on you so you don't have to go through the hassle of having the two hospitals talk to each other. And did you get a test that we don't have to redo at another hospital? And it's just, 
As people become more nimble with, with how they receive their care, I think it'll dawn on them that having their data with them is, is a, just a lot more convenient. You mentioned previously that you consulted on a ride-sharing um, business. Do you see at any point uh, Uber becoming a DAO? Um, Uber, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I see blockchain just in general, you know, much wider uh, adoption. So with more stability, you know, much less skepticism. Um, it's it's here to stay. So we can't put the genie back in the bottle with this technology. And and I, th I think we, you know, realize widely how widely it's used. Like we've, we've been mentioning during this talk about um, cryptocurrencies, you know, alone are traded by tens of millions of people and has a market cap in the trillions. Um, and that's just one part of the blockchain. Um, and I do see a, un, a lot of untapped potential there. And I think a lot of the larger companies like Uber, um, you know, they have the internal resources and capital to explore the, that potential. Like me personally, I'm, I'm hoping to see a more decentralized internet, you know, where, where modern websites don't exist on one single server um, and aren't controlled by one large company. So uh, there could be a big shakeup on the horizon. Um, right now, there's huge demand in virtual services due to the pandemic. That's a need that is uh, aggressively being filled by blockchain. Um, so it's happening behind the scenes, like the Postal Service. They're exploring it. They're they're learning about it. They're they're getting their feet wet. Um, and you know, it is behind the scenes. So it's not as flashy as someone buying a Lamborghini with Bitcoin, people and companies are looking into it. So it, it's, it's essential to society all the same. So all the applications that you come across on the blockchain, are they built on Ethereum or are they built also on other kind of blockchains? Yeah, a lot of them are built on Ethereum. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a trustworthy platform. It's been around probably the longest. And um, as, as new companies come, new solutions, they will, of course, try and figure out their own methods of things. Um, but I, I do see a lot of people utilizing Ethereum. Um, some of my clients are, are happily working on Ethereum today. So where do you see the world of blockchain in 10 years from now? Yeah, I think... This goes back to my earlier point of the cat's out of the bag, so to speak. Um, so within five years, 10 years, uh, I think things will be, you know, a lot more stable, um, a lot less skepticism. And I think blockchain will be used in a lot of applications, whether we, we realize it or not. Um, you know, I, I sometimes refer to the analogy of um, a car. You see people, thousands of people a day drive cars that have probably no idea how they, they, they work or are built. And I think, you know, blockchain will be similar. You know, people will be using applications that use blockchain and, and they won't fixate on, you know, how is this working? How is, how is a blockchain actually, you know, making this, this propel? So I think once, once the adoption is a lot more wide, I think the talk about, Oh, is this going to work or how does this work 
will kind of subside and, and people will actually start using the product for, for what it's what it's worth rather than trying to analyze uh, you know the use of such a new technology and, and criticize it. So I'm sure you have been in conversations with venture capitalists for uh, a multitude of projects that you were working on. Uh, if you could share with our audience what uh, were the tough questions VCs were asking you about uh, the various projects? Yeah, um, venture capitalists want to know how your solution or your enterprise, your blockchain technology fits into the larger ecosystem. They want you to envision the future um, basically in terms of how particular innovations will change society. They, they want you to think big um, and it's a tough question because people can get spun up and trying to talk about how the blockchain is being used and you know how, how it's going to make propel this and how it'll change the world with what we're doing. But really what VC wants to know about your actual product, you know, exactly <clears throat> how and what you're creating is going to help the world at large. And I, th- I think that's, that's what becomes more difficult, especially with these um, detailed blockchain projects. You know, a lot of the owners um, and founders want to express exactly what blockchain is doing for them when really, you know, a VC is, is, is looking for the value of actually what the product is, not just the underlyings of the technology. So you have to be nimble and, and have contingencies when, when talking to VCs and stay positive. So, uh, so what is the hardest thing about fundraising? But yeah, so the hardest thing, I think, ultimately, it takes guts. You have to know what you want and be very direct in asking for it. Um, and and the, sometimes is not as familiar to some people. Um, it's not every day that you ask someone for a million dollars. So you have to get over the initial shock um, of coming right out and asking for it. Otherwise, they can't help you. Other than money, they don't know what you need if you can't commit yourself to a position to tell them. You know, we're often used to us as humans sort of disguising our intent. Everything is a mere suggestion. Um, and it, it really can't be that way when fundraising. You, you just have to, you know, dust yourself off and try again if, if you fail. Um, but eventually your bravery will pay off. Um, but I think the hardest part is, is, Hearing, hearing no and getting devastated and, and not getting back up um, is, is where people fall short. You know, you just have to keep pushing forward um, and don't let some of these no as, as answers um, derail you and, and make you think what you're selling and your product isn't, isn't worthy of, of, of their money. So that's a good piece of advice for founders. Would there be anything else you would like to tell them? Yeah, so no man is an island. Uh, and what I mean is don't be afraid to bring people on board who've already been there um, and done what you're trying to do. They can help you more than you might want to admit to yourself. I think entrepreneurs tend to be individualistic people. Um, they are very attracted to their own creations. So no matter how capable they are as individuals, I think... Um, you know, it can only get you so far. 
So we've been talking about blockchain and how it's a springboard for ideas. There are so many possibilities um, that the best ideas are not always going to be apparent. Um, they require interplay with the community. So when balancing personal vision with the success of, of your enterprise, you know, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Um, we all appreciate sort of, you know, wide-eyed idealism, um, but trade-offs are effective life. Okay, this fantastic advice. So, Hannah, are, as we are reaching the end of our conversation, are there any misconceptions about blockchain that you would like to clear up? Yeah, um, with a lot of technology, there, there will be misconceptions. Um, but, you know, blockchain specifically, you know, it might seem daunting, um, but it's not. It's, it's a technology with many applications, um, and you don't have to have a master level understanding of all of it um, to make sense of it. So take, for instance, smart contracts. We talked about that earlier. Um, you can leverage blockchain to digitally sign a document in a secure way and remove the hassle of paperwork. It's, it's really that simple. The best solutions always are. Uh, great. Uh, Hannah, I would like to thank you very much for uh, coming on the podcast and uh, sharing your insights about the fascinating world of blockchain. And I uh, would like to, to tell to you good luck in helping entrepreneurs and organizations build disruptive processes on the blockchain. It was a pleasure. Great. Thanks. Thanks again for having me. See you later.